So question, if you had Jesus with you one day and you can ask him to teach you one thing, what would that one thing be? Again, you have Jesus with you one day, you have one question for him to teach you one thing. What would that one thing be? Well, we know what the disciples asked. Matter of fact, that's found in the book of Luke chapter number 11. Here's what it says in the word. Verse number one, it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. When he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, read it with me, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Now stop and think about that for just a moment. They can ask anything. Why not, Lord, teach us how to open those blind eyes. Teach us how to unstop ears so people can hear again. Uh, Why don't you teach us the power over the demonic so that we can just speak the word and demons are cast out and people are in their right mind? Why don't you teach us that really cool thing about how to raise people from the dead? Why don't you teach us that loaves and fishes thing that you did where you just like broke bread and fish and fed thousands of people? Teach us how to just sway the crowds with the ability to be able to talk the way you were talking. People would come and flock and gather. Teach us those things. Why not? Because inherently they knew that all of that other stuff flowed out of his life of prayer. That it was his communion with his heavenly father. It was those early mornings when they would wake up and they'd say, where's Jesus? And they'd go looking for him and he'd be alone somewhere praying. Or at nights when he didn't come back to the, you know, camp, he would go up on a mountainside and he would pray all night. They realized and understood that everything that Jesus did flowed out of his conversation with his heavenly father. We're talking about audacious prayer in this series, and we're in week number two. And last week, Shannon, my wife, brought an amazing word I would encourage you to go listen to it, go watch it on the podcast, go check it out, share it with someone else. But she talked about this audacious prayer, Lord, use me. It's a good one. Today, I want to talk to you about, Lord, give me a new heart. That's the audacious prayer that I want us to pray. Lord, give me a new heart. Right now, listening to me, there's different groups of people, maybe you have backslidden. Maybe at one time you were close to God, but now you have turned and you're making choices and living a way that you're like, it's not pleasing to God and you know that. Maybe, secondly, there's people that are far from God. You've never really walked closely to God. And you just consider yourself like not a believer, not a follower. I'm gonna talk to you about those. And then thirdly, the third type of people that need a new heart are religious people. People need to show up and play the game. And in Psalms chapter 51 and verse number 10 gives this example of the person who had the backsliding heart. His name is David. David had committed adultery. To cover up that adultery, he committed a murder, killed the husband of the wife who he had had an affair with. And then he is confronted and he realizes he needs to come back to God. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. I need a new heart. So the backslider needs a new heart. 
Secondly, those that are far from God need a new heart. You, you know you're not right with God. You've been living that way for a long time and it's, it's time for you to have the old heart taken out and a new heart placed in. In Ezekiel, he talks about the children of Israel who were worshiping the idols of the world. They were just living you know, the party life, having a great time, living it up for their flesh, their desires, and God was not even prevalent in their life. And he says this. He says, and I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So if you're far from God, that's what he wants to do for you. And then finally, the um, religious people which hits home to a lot of us. Uh, It's home to me as a pastor because I learned how to play the game right and say the right things. But is, is it just formality? Is it just going through the motions? Jesus said this in Matthew 15. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far from me. They know how to quote the scriptures. Uh, They know how to act the game. They know how to go through the motions. And there's a whole lot of people right now that need to have that heart check and have a new heart placed there. I want to look in the Bible right now at a story of a man who had a new heart placed in him. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word at all locations, Deer Creek and Guthrie, Freedom House. If you're in a living room somewhere, stand up. And if you don't have your Bible with you, you'll see it at the big screen in the air in just a little bit. And we're going to read this story. But let me give you just a little background on who Naaman is. Naaman is commander-in-chief of the Syrian army. Depends on what translation it may say, Aram. But it's the Syrian army. Uh, He's the head man who's been invading Israel and taking back uh, a a lot of precious jewels. And uh, he's just been winning battles for his king. But he has one problem. Though he's a great, mighty warrior, he has leprosy. And leprosy is a public disgrace. Uh, It means that he is slowly, gradually having his flesh eaten away and dying. One day he walks into the house and his maid, who is actually a servant or better even probably a slave, who has been taken captive from one of the raids in Israel and brought home and now he's serving his family, says to his wife, if Naaman can just get to the prophet in Israel, he can heal him. Naaman hears this. He goes to the king of Syria and says, hey, can I go into Israel and ask for this possibility and have this man of God pray over me? He takes a letter from the king of Syria over to the king of Israel. The king of Israel reads the letter. The letter says something like this. I'm sending you Naaman. He's my commander-in-chief. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. And the king reads it, he rips his clothes open because basically Israel's had, you know, Syria's had their thumb on Israel, oppressing them. He rips open his clothes, says, what are you doing, picking a fight with me? I can't heal this guy. Word gets to Elisha, the prophet, about what transpired. He says, send him to me and I'll pray with him. And he'll see that there's a prophet in Israel and that there's a God who can heal. Pick it up, verse number nine. Verse number nine, it says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. He didn't even show up, didn't even see him face to face, sent a message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. 
But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Stop there for just a moment. Be careful of your thoughts and expectations. Notice verse number 12. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and Farpar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. Hold out your hands, please. And I want you to just close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, give me the ears to hear what you want to say. Give me the faith to believe what you say. And give me the courage to obey today what you say. It's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Give somebody a high five and you can be seated. Uh, this past week I had a situation who had, that had reached to a boil in me and I had to go deal with it. And it was my phone. Uh, my phone, which I'd gotten about a year ago, had never, I'd never been able to use the Facebook. I mean, not Facebook, FaceTime. FaceTime, I'd never been able to use FaceTime. Now, now here, here's the thing. I was able to use FaceTime when I had internet service, but not on my carrier, my cellular service. Uh, and so when I would say that to my kids or somebody else, and I'm in their 20s, everybody knows, you know, like they'd take my phone, oh yeah, it's easy. And they'd go through my settings and couldn't come up with an answer. So I just kind of lived with it because I didn't need it very often, it was, you know, just because I mostly had internet. And, uh, but, but after my grandson was born, Gavin, my son, was being sworn in at the state Supreme Court for being a lawyer just like days after. Haley, his wife, could not make it, obviously. And then Shannon was there helping with Haley and our new grandbaby. And so they asked me to FaceTime what was going on. And so I get there, and I can't get connected to their Wi-Fi. They've got us blocked off, and I'm like scrambling, Googling against it. Surely there's a way. I'm like, everything, I could not get it done. I could not give them what they had asked for, and now I'm upset. And so it was one of those events, like, I'm going to go, I'm getting an answer to this. So I go to my office, and ask the two guys on staff that know everything. They just know everything when it comes to technology, and that is Michael Brookstrasser and Samson Varghese. Both of them looked at me and said, oh, yeah, it's easy. So they grabbed my phone. They went through my phone. They could not figure out how to make it work. All things were turned on. Everything should be working. So then I schedule an appointment at the Genius Bar. I go down to the Apple Store. I meet with somebody there. They look at it for 45 minutes. They can't figure out what's going on. And finally, the manager comes in and says, we're going to have to reset your phone completely. That means we're going to have to take everything off your phone, wipe it all out, and then we will restore everything back. So almost three hours I'm there. It is totally wiped out. Everything is rebooted. And when everything is rebooted, guess what? I have, I have, I have FaceTime. And the guy said, you have to reset something sometimes. Because sometimes when it's initially loaded, it didn't catch everything. And I begin to think about that in regards to us. Sometimes we've got to be reset. Sometimes life causes little glitches in us that our hearts have to be reset. 
We have to download everything, get rid of it, and reboot everything again. I'm talking about a new heart today. I'm talking about asking and praying an audacious prayer. And, and I look at Naaman, this man who is now left in rage. He is mad because he wanted it his way and he wasn't getting the answers. You know, I began to think about that. Naaman needed a new heart more than he needed new skin. Let that sink in for just a moment because there's a lot of times we're asking for things in life and we feel like that new is what we need. I need a new spouse or I need a spouse or I need, you know, a new kids or I need new parents or I need a new job or I need better pay. I need something new in my life and that's gonna give me joy and happiness and it could be that we need a new heart because it could be that the real issues that we're dealing with are not going to be met with anything this world has to offer. But if we can have a new heart, it can change everything. Because when you get a new heart, you get three things I want to talk to you about. First off, you get a pure heart. Let's talk about that a little bit. A pure heart. What does that mean? What does it look like? You know, have you ever asked the question, why am I going through and fill in the blank? Anybody? Nothing tests the motives of the heart like suffering. Let that sink in for just a moment. Because when you're going through dark nights, when you're going through difficult days, when you're going through unanswered issues in life, it causes you to reflect down inside about the real motives of why you do what you do. And who you are trusting, who are you depending on. And see, Naaman here left away in anger and rage. Because really, his issue is he needed a new heart, which is going to be a pure heart. With the right motives. With the right intentions. And that's what God is working on all of us. You write, write this down. This is so important to understand. The breaking of ourselves is the process God chooses to bring us into a better version of ourselves. The breaking of ourselves is the process that God uses to bring us into a better version of ourselves. So when you're going through something, it may be, it usually is, the fact that God is trying to get, make a better version of you. Let's look at Naaman, verse number 13. Notice what it says. It says, but his officers, now he's left in anger, he's left in rage, but his officers tried to reason with him when he's leaving in this rage, his anger, and says, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? And the answer is, yes. He's a great warrior. He goes out and takes over countries, towns, cities. Oh, he knows how to win. That's no big deal. You would go do that, wouldn't you? But, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Question for Naaman is why was he doing what he was doing? Question for you is why do you do what you do? It's a real motive of the heart. Are we able to trust God? You see, because motives of the heart battle with pride. We struggle with it so greatly. And so his issue was an issue of pride. He didn't come talk to me. He didn't do what I thought he would do. I had expectations. Those expectations weren't met. And so therefore, I've got a problem. That's pride. 
and all of us deal with it. And you know what God's doing? He's trying to humble us. He's trying to use the suffering and the struggles of life. Naaman's leprosy was not meant to destroy his faith. It was meant to build up his faith. Pure heart, pure heart. A pure heart doesn't mean or doesn't imply a perfect heart. This is important to understand. But a pliable heart. You see, because none of us are perfect, no, not one. So it's not the issue of like, I've got to get rid of everything in my life and live perfect. No, you're never going to get there. But it's an issue of staying in the master's hands and saying, God, I want to be pliable to your will, to your plans, to your agenda for my life. That is ultimately what I want. That's the goal. Secondly is this. A clean heart is represented by a persistent heart. A persistent heart heart. Um, this past week, I took a couple of my staff guys out on Wednesday uh, to uh, do a, a, a kind of a lunch workout. And so we're going to do this workout in 30 minutes, and we're going to hit the ground hard, and we're going to go hard at it for 30 minutes. Um, and here's what the workout consisted of. It consisted of 50 squats, and then 40 push-ups, and then 30 chair dips, and then 20 full sit-ups where you sit up completely, touch your toes, and back down, and then 10 pull-ups. And after you got done with that, no breaks, no stopping, as hard as you can go, as fast as you can go, doing it with right form, you got done with one set, then you did a second set. And the second set is 50 squats, 40 push-ups, 30 chair dips, 20 full setups, touch your toes, and then 10 pull-ups. And then when you finish the second set, guess what you get to do? The third set, no breaks, no water breaks, no bathroom breaks, continuing at it. Then you do the third set. And then when you get done with the third set, guess what you do? You do a fourth set. And then after the fourth set, you do a fifth set. And then after the fifth set, you do a sixth set. And after the sixth set, you do a seventh set. And we stopped on the seventh set. Whichever came first, doing all of those or 30 minutes. Ooh, I love it. I love working out with my staff. I love breaking them down. I love seeing them just breaking them in just a pile of mess and you, you mold them into a man of God. Here's the, here's the thing. It's not always the strongest and the most talented that finish that. It's the one that's the most persistent. I want you to hear me. A lot of times in life, it's not the most talented. It's not the fastest spiritually. It's not all of those. It's the people who keep showing up. It's the people who keep going after God. It's the people that are persistent. You see, because a persistent heart is one that never gives up on God. The persistent heart says, I'm in the game and I'm going to keep on. Notice in verse number 14, what it says. It says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child. And, say it with me, he was healed. Did you get that? He wasn't healed because he showed up at the river. He wasn't healed because he went into the water. 
He wasn't healed because he dipped one time, two times, three times. It was the seven times it was complete obedience. It was the persistence to continue to do, even though he still hadn't seen the result of what he came to get. And that's what faith is all about. That's what audacious prayers is all about. And I believe that God has a special heart and a special concern for those who are persistent. Throughout the Bible, you find that. You, you find the, the, the two blind beggars who are on the road crying out to Jesus. And everybody else is saying, ignore them, ignore them, get them to shut up. And Jesus hears them and says, no, let them come to me. And they walked away with eyesight. Or the woman who has been sick for many, many years and spent all of her money on doctors and has nothing left. But yet when she hears about Jesus, she comes up to the crowd and a throng of people and she presses through the crowd, the scripture says, and she gets to him and touches the hem of his garment. The hem of his garment means that that was on the ground. She is on her knees pressing through the crowd. And when she touches him, Jesus stopped and says, who touched me? And his disciples say, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? Because this makes no sense to them because there's people all around him bumping him and pushing him everybody's touching him. He said, no, no, no. Somebody really touched me because I felt virtue and power leave my body. Because somebody pressed through. Somebody was persistent. How about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Remember that song back in the day if you grew up around church? Come on, he climbed up in a sycamore tree. Well, he was persistent to get to Jesus and he got his attention. I, I look at Elisha and his mentor. His mentor was Elijah. Remember that? And Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion, and he got it when Elijah went to heaven. It was given to Elisha. But Elijah one time was praying because that rained for three years, over three years. And he tells the king in advance of Israel, he said, hey, rain's on the way. There was no rain coming. Forecaster said no rain in the future. He goes up on a mountainside and begins to pray. And as he prays and prays and prays, he prays after one time of praying. How long is that? I don't know. Maybe it was three minutes, maybe it was 30 minutes, maybe it was hours of prayer. He sends a servant out and says, go check and see. Tell me what you see. The servant goes out and he comes back in and says, there's no sign of rain anywhere. There's nothing. He prays again the second time. Sends out a servant. Servant comes back, I see nothing. He sends him out a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. Every time, there's nothing. The sixth time, there's nothing. He prays the seventh time and sends him out. The servant comes back and says, hey, I, I see one cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's all Elisha needed. Elisha said, that is good enough for me. That is God sent it, a mighty downpour of rain. You start running and you go tell the king right now to prepare because water is gonna fill these valleys. And as they begin to run, guess what? The heavens opened and the thunderclap happened, the lightning happened and the heavens opened and the rain began to flow after not raining for three plus years. Hear me, no matter what you're going through, stay persistent, keep praying, keep asking God. And I'm telling you in due time that windows of heaven are gonna open and there will be a downpour of whatever it is God needs to send in your life. <laughs> Last is this. Not only you, when you get a new heart, you'll get a pure heart, a persistent one, but you will get a, a grateful heart, a grateful heart. <clears throat> so this week, Shannon and I made two trips to Tulsa. Fortunately, on Monday, we had some meetings there that was already scheduled way in advance. Uh, at the end of the week, we made just a quick trip on Friday night to spend some time. 
But on Monday, we went up for these meetings. These meetings went all day and went into the evening, had service at night. Um, after service was over, we went out to eat with some missionaries. We get back to Gavin and Haley's house, which is kind of interesting because in the past, when we would go up there, we didn't stay with them. We usually got a hotel. But now that they've got a baby in the house, hey, hey, hey. we're staying with them. So I get back to the house after 11 o'clock. They're already in bed. Little Gideon is asleep. The lights are all off in their bedroom. We go to bed. A little after 3 o'clock in the morning, just shortly after 3, I hear a crying baby, which was a beautiful sound. After just a few minutes of crying, I get up, and I go knock on their door. The lights are still off. I hear Haley open the door, and I said, do you want me to take Gideon? And they said, please. <laughs> he is screaming. He is going after it. He is, like, upset. They said he's, he's, he's had his late-night snack. He should be okay there. And I take him, and as I walked out, and I could see his eyes in the light when I got out, when I can immediately see his eyeballs, are, he's wide awake, and he immediately stops crying. All he wanted was his grandpa. That's, that's it. It was the most time that we had actually had together because there's always somebody else around wanting. And so me and him, for the next hour and a half, he is clued in, bright-eyed, listening to everything. You know what I'm doing? I'm quoting every scripture I know. I, I quote all of literally almost all of Ephesians 4, almost all of Romans chapter 8. I quote some other scripture. I'm speaking over him life. I begin to sing to him the songs that I remember from the kids' church when I was a kid. I begin to sing other songs. I begin to speak over him who he's going to be in God and what God has for his life. And I begin to claim the promises of God on him. <clears throat> and then I begin to be thankful and just thank God. Because he's a miracle. Just like every baby that's born is a miracle. I'm, never, I'm always blown away. Every time a mom gives birth to a child in this church, I stand in awe like, this is awesome. This is a miracle. But for little Gideon, it's a special for us in this that Shannon and I were not supposed to have Gavin. Nine months after we were married, I got very, very sick. And I was sick for many weeks. I mean, bedridden, hospital, out of the hospital, many weeks. And finally, whenever I started getting better, the doctor said, you, there's, here's a problem. You probably won't have children. After about six months, nine months, we went ahead and did some tests. They said, you won't be able to have children. So for us, Gavin is even that much more of a special miracle, along with Phaedra and Annabeth. And so therefore, I looked at Gideon. I said, you weren't supposed to be. But oh, I praise my God that he's the gift to us. For Naaman, it's easy to look at your leprosy and miss out on the other good things that God has. But Naaman is dipped seven times and then the last time he comes up clean, right? Let's look at his response. Verse number 15. It says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. Now, he hadn't even met the man of God. They stood before him and said, Naaman, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. So please accept a gift 
from your servant. You know, in the gift he had brought, he had brought it to buy his healing, which was 700 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. Now, I just checked this past week. Gold is going at over $1,000 an ounce. So 150, that's over $2 million. Come on, folks, that's a lot of money. And 10 changes of clothes. And they must have been really special clothes. clothes. But anyway, he has all of that. And the man of God says, no, 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 no. I don't need that. You can't buy this gift. The gift of God and the miracle of God is free to anybody with a new heart. He walked away changed. Write this down. A grateful heart is more focused on what is possible for the creator than the impossibilities of their circumstances. A grateful heart stays focused on what the possibilities are of a creator. Just had the funeral this week of Tamara Breeden. If you were at Easter, you heard some of her story. Nine years of age, she started having these tumors grow in the nerve endings of her body. And over the years, she had 30-something major, I'm talking life-top surgical procedures to save her life. Over time, things began to gradually leave her body. Things like use of limbs, use of her voice. She lost her voice. She lost her hearing in this ear and then hearing that ear and then eyesight and eyesight. And gradually, she lost everything. But every time she lost something, she immediately just turned to the next thing and was thankful for what she did have. Oh, that's a lesson to say and to tell us and to remind us of. Her parents told me about whenever she went on feeding tube. This was back in her mid-20s. And the doctor said, you're going to be on a feeding tube the rest of your life. The doctor came in, was very nervous about telling her that, was actually crying as he told her that. You know, tell anyone who wants to tell a 20-year-old something that you're, you're never going to taste food again. You're never going to swallow again. He finally gets it out, and she just looks at him and says, that's okay, I've never liked food anyway. That was not really the case, other than the perspective of how she looked at things. She just basically said, I choose to be grateful whatever I lose. That's a lesson, folks. That's why her quality of life was better than most everybody would ever dream of. Wow. How about you today? Are you grateful? There's, there's one person in this story that I want to just bring up real quick. It's the maid, the servant, the slave girl. Okay, because she's the key fixture in it because none of this happens without her, right? None of this happens without her. So she's the one that brings it up. Like, hey, if my ma- now think about what she said. She said, oh, I wish. Oh, I wish my master could go find this prophet in Israel because if she finds him, he will be made healed. How many of you would have said that to this guy, Naaman? No, you know what most of us would have done? What I probably would have done? I wish you go to hell. You killed my family. You have taken me slave. I don't want to be here. I wish you would die of your leprosy. I wish it would be returned to you many times over. Is anyone listening? But you know what she did? She chose a grateful heart. She chose God over the circumstances of life. And so we celebrate an amazing story today because of a girl that left nameless. But yet she and her grateful heart was the key to all of this. So God's been speaking to me this week that 
listen to me right now at all locations. At every location, people need to respond to one of these three. Do you need a pure heart? The right motives. Trusting God. Instead of saying, why God? What's going on? Why me? All this stuff. The pure heart. Allow God to work the process in you to make you into what he wants, the better version of you. Or secondly, maybe some of you, it is a persistent heart. You're quick to give up. You're quick to throw in the towel. You're quick to not believe the promises of God. And God's saying, keep praying the audacious prayers and believe the promises of God and hold on to me and what I say is going to come true. Or number three, a grateful heart. You're always seeing what you've lost instead of what you still have. And God is saying, hold on and rejoice in what you have, not what you've lost. So at every location, I want you to stand. If it's the pure heart that you need, I want you to stand to your feet. If it's the pure heart, pick one of these three. If it's the pure heart, stand. Secondly, if it's the persistent heart, stand. Thirdly, if it's the grateful heart, stand. At every location, the pastor is going to come and continue to lead this, but I want to pray one prayer. I want every one of you to hold your hands up and receive this prayer. I pray, Jesus, right now, in your name, that we receive a new heart. Take out, take out that heart of stone. It's not an idea of a perfect heart. This is a pliable heart. Give us a persistent heart, God that's pure and give us a grateful heart to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the North Church Podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered by the Word of God. For more information about North Church, check out our website at north.church. There you can view more messages and join us for experiences live online. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week and remember to love God, love people, and follow Jesus.